0: Welcome to CA Conversations. I'm joined today by Dr. Darden Bradshaw, Assistant Professor of Art Ed at University of Dayton, and Dr. Barbara Bergstrom, Assistant Professor of Art Ed at Bowling Green State University. Today we're talking about successful stories in art education programs at the undergraduate and graduate level, especially during a time in which we are seeing national teaching shortages and enrollment decreases in secondary ed programs. So I'd like to raise the question here for Darden and Barbara. What's happening at your institutions and your programs uh, to enhance art education?
1: I think one of the things that's happening at the University of Dayton is that we have recognized that as art educators, we are being asked to do even more than we ever have in the past. And that as we prepare pre-service teachers, they're going into a profession where not only is there an expectation that they're meeting these high stakes accountability measures that are in place in schools, but that they are supporting students in a variety of ways in their creativity and their critical thinking and really preparing them to be global citizens. So we, We've developed this experiential learning program where we take students who are in the summer between their junior and senior year and give them an opportunity to teach art in a global context. So they teach in a South American city, in a city that has a very different kind of population, and they spend eight to ten weeks living in that community with a cultural immersion experience, but also then learning how to teach from that different
2: perspective.
0: Yeah, thank you. Barbara, how about you?
2: I guess what makes our program, what I would say makes our program uh, successful at the undergraduate level is... The group of faculty members that I work with here, we all have different strengths. We have one whose specialty is preschool and special needs students, one whose focus is peace education as related to arts and arts therapy, another who works with middle school and secondary students, and I focus on research-wise graduate students in higher education. So by the time students have completed our undergraduate program, of which there are five courses they take before student teaching, they have had a lot of different faculty members that have different, very different backgrounds. Our students are also placed in a variety of different types of schools, like urban schools, rural schools, public schools, private schools, charter schools. And so, again, by the time they graduate, they've had a vast variety of classroom experiences. Last but not least, we in our undergraduate program, I would say two years ago, we developed a minor in community arts education. Coming out of the University of Arizona, our program there had three tracks, community ed, museum education, and um, K-12 art education, which I thought was a really strong aspect of their program. So here at Bowling Green, we've added a minor in community arts education for those students who don't want to go through the testing for state licensure. That's an option for them as art education is important in way more locations than just K-12 education.
0: Perfect, Barbara. This leads right into my second question. How do you feel about art education programs broadening beyond K-12? through
2: What was most astounding when we were first developing this idea of pulling in more community arts education focused experiences for our students was how every single venue I went to, whether it was the Toledo Museum of Art, the Mm -hmm. local senior center, the Brookdale Alzheimer's unit, everybody was so starved to have artists, young artists, teachers come in and do activities with their patrons. It was really actually overwhelming how many, once the word was out that we wanted to work in the community, how many people in the community came to us saying, Hey, I hear you're doing this. Can we have you too? And I mean, we don't have enough students to um, satisfy all those in the community that are, are interested. It's really been exciting and again, almost overwhelming how much interest there has been in the program. We really hope it grows. It's very new here.
1: I think our program sits a very different place than Barbara's, and that is because it's a one faculty member program. So I'm in. Um, So unlike faculty strengths that Barbara was talking about, that Bowling Green and the diversity of programs that are available for students, including the community arts minor, our students take five courses prior to their student teaching. And those courses are focused on different grade bands, if you will, as well as different settings within art education. So their first course, which is their intro to art education, that focuses in an elementary setting, but also in a community-based way. So they can um, they can pick a, a perspective that they want to um, pursue based on their interest. So what that means is that If we have a group of students who are interested in spending part of their practicum in a local elementary school, they do that. And then we have others who might work as part of their practicum with the local community-based art education program, working with elementary level students or with students who are perhaps older. But we generally try and keep it focused in that foundations course. To supporting them in learning the developmental needs and the artistic needs of elementary students. In their foundations course we move into working with middle schoolers. We have a group of, we have a partnership with a local middle school that comes in. They bus their students through Dayton Public School to us and so our students, uh, we don't have a Saturday art school, so this is our equivalent of a Saturday art school. It's the only way we could adapt it with a one faculty program. And that is that students spend Mondays and Wednesdays with me in class. And then on Fridays, our middle school visitors come and they first observe myself and my co-educator teaching middle school students. Then they have opportunities to work collaboratively to teach the middle school students themselves. And then we have a second cohort that come in so they get to repeat. They get to try their lesson a second time. And that helps them build that skill and experience. In our teaching the visual arts, which is our course that they take as they enter their senior year, which is followed by this potential global practical experience, the global art education experience, they, they start out working primarily in the secondary and then move into their elementary so that they have their placements for their student teaching. But because we don't have a community-based art education focus in our program, again, because we only have the one faculty member, um, we've worked really hard to build in an internship process for each of our students. So... Every student who pursues art education has an opportunity to work at We Care Arts, which is a local nonprofit that works with artists with disabilities of all ages and all different kinds of abilities. They work at the Dayton Art Institute as an intern, either in community-based programming or with the curatorial staff, because we also recognize that some students in art education may want to pursue museum education. They have opportunities to work at K-12 gallery. They offer art programming for schools who can't afford art programming and don't have art educators. They also work with adults in the community and juvenile offenders. And so through these alternative options, they gain the experiential learning opportunities to really diversify and determine where they want to go and what they're interested in
0: as professors, faculty members, and students start to chart these new pathways, alternatives to a traditional art ed curriculum, how do you manage that as a faculty member? How do you coordinate all of it? As we add all these options in, we're just increasing workload for a single faculty member or maybe one or two that make up an entire art ed program. How does that work get delegated?
1: It's a really challenging question, and the truth is that it does add It adds, but it also doesn't add. And so, and I know that sounds kind of convoluted in that at the beginning. So for me to create the program that we have in South America, it has to add it, certainly. I had to write the grant proposal. I had to work with the students. We've We've piloted it, but we've now built this relationship with the school there, and I think that once we have it in place, it is sustainable and will require a little less outlay of effort, but also be provide an opportunity to our students that they're not going to get any other way. So I think from my perspective, these experiences, including the internships, they take time to build in the beginning. They take time to build the relationships with the different entities. I haven't done it overnight. I'm starting my sixth year. So I will say that over the course of six years, we've gone from overhauling the curriculum Adding in these practicum experiences where we're going out and we started the first time, we just focused the first two years on the elementary connections and building a relationship with a particular school where our students go in, they teach, and then we have an exhibition of the students' work. Uh, Then we built the middle school connection, and we're starting our second year with that. And at the same time as as I was building the middle school connection, we were building the internships. So I've just layered each one on. And the benefit to it has been that the program has increased. I mean, the students are talking to each other. They want this. They're craving the experiential learning opportunities. They're craving the diversification of what they perceive art education to be. They come in, I think many of them, with really fixed notions that art education means I want to have to teach in a public school, K through 12. And I encourage them to consider that that's not necessarily the case. And all these different opportunities are here to provide you with a perspective so that as you try different things, you find the group of students, the population, the kinds of learners you want to work with so that you can make an informed choice about where you're going.
2: This is the start of my fifth year in this position, and I moved here as a... Darden from way out west in Tucson, Arizona. So part of the learning curve for me was just learning the community and who are the students that go to this school and how does the curriculum that I have been trained to understand and learn as being valuable, how does that relate to the the student that attends this university? And so that was probably the most challenging part is really having patience with myself and students so that we could learn a lot about one another. And that includes the teachers, visiting the different schools, supervising student teachers, and then visiting places like the Toledo Museum of Art and the Arts Commission, and who are the people in this community that make art go around. That was a lot to manage, of course, a joyful part of it too, because it's about getting to know people that um, are all excited about the arts. The new minor that we started, I heard once somebody say to change a university is like trying to move a cemetery and process of going through the paperwork, getting permissions, having people read the proposal, respond to the proposal, make adjustments in the proposal. We have a course in our minor that is in entrepreneurship. So then to go to the business college and get permission to off- offer this course that relates to entrepreneurship, like what they teach. I mean, there were so many layers in just the approval to have this 15 credit hour minor go through. That was kind of mind blowing for me too, in terms of managing the nuts and bolts and the layers and layers of paperwork that go with it. Even worse in terms of paperwork, was when we started our Master's of Art Education, which is 70% online and 30% in the studio. Recruiting for that, again, in an area where I hardly knew anybody. There was a lot of song and dance that I had to practice um, at various venues to get people on board. It worked. The program's going well. We're going to start our second year this year.
0: You both mentioned the importance of hard work, diligence, paperwork, and accreditation Somewhere down the road, factors into the hoops you have to jump through to make innovative changes in your program. What, what's your experience dealing with accrediting bodies as you make changes to your curriculum or your program?
1: It adds a an enormous burden, but it also adds enormous clarity to what you're doing. So we went through our NASAT accreditation um, in the last two years. We just received our official approval um, or our research, our NASAT recertification. Uh, which so it started my third year here. And I had no awareness of how to begin. Um, and it was a great challenge and a great learning opportunity. And it, what it did was it really forced us to refine what we were doing in each course to better align as we worked to achieve the goals that NASA had set and that CAPE had set.
2: I feel like our new, our new courses or our new degrees actually fit in like help us have a more well-rounded way of fulfilling the standards rather than feeling restricted. Same is true of the state standards that teach students in class, like they have to follow the state standards in all their lessons and that sort of thing. And we talk about how we can interpret different standards, still following them, but doing it in a way that we are comfortable and what highlights our strengths as educators. So it's hoops to jump through in, st- in terms of aligning with NASAD and CAPE. I guess I don't feel as if our program is suffering from it, nor has our program development suffered from the boundaries that are placed forward by the standards. I agree with Darden that there's a lot of clarity that comes from going through the process and priorities, values and beliefs toward what we want our programs to be and that sort of thing.
0: One last question. Mistakes that you made, something you wouldn't do again if you had to do it all over five, six years ago when you took your position, you started to envision new possibilities for art education in your program.
2: I don't know. There was no manual for this job. I remember my contract started on August 13th in 2014 or something like that. So I showed up and I knew I had a ton of work to do because of what I signed on for. I would come in and they're like, we need you to start a master's program. Okay. So first day on the job, sitting at my desk, how do I start a master's program? The inordinate amount of research and digging that needed to happen for me to even really learn what my job meant when I started. That took me a long time. That investigation and digging was a ton of fun. I learned a lot about the history of the program here and just the field in general, say, and learning how to develop new programming. One thing that I would change, and this is going to sound so, I don't know, corny or just what everybody says, but self-care is a problem. And I've always even promoted it. My dissertation was about one sense of self in higher ed. I read about contemplative pedagogy and use it with students in my class. And it's about taking time in your own head and your own space to to sort out who you are as a human being before stepping in front of others in a classroom, for example. I do that in the artwork that I make. It's about that pursuit. So it's a little ironic that I might read a lot about it and write a lot about it that I don't practice it enough. If I were to do it all over again, I would carve out time every day for what I love to do. And that includes research and reading. But it's really easy to be the caretaker, nurturer that comes naturally to those of us that love being educators. I agree with
1: Barbara that self-care is important. My mistake that I made, I made a lot of them, but one that I have recently been reevaluating a lot is that we have a capstone component as part of what our seniors go through. So in addition to preparing for edTPA and student teaching, they also take a year-long course that is their capstone. And I redesigned it. And I redesigned it because I really felt that in the field, as we see in K-12 through education, we hear a lot of times this notion of the artist as teacher. And when I redesigned it, I encouraged students to consider themselves in their roles as artists, in their roles as teacher, and in their identities as researcher. And so one way that we do that is that I, a component, a requirement of this capstone course is that students think about who they are as an artist in preparation for their senior their participation in the senior exhibition, which includes writing about their work, they think about themselves as a teacher and preparing for EdTPA and their teaching portfolio. But then they engage in arts-based research, and while that is really good, and I'm not, I don't think that we should change that. The mistake I made was in. The first time I taught it, which was last year, last year was our first cohort who went through that. I didn't realize that I was creating a divisive attitude and that I was in in actuality capitalizing on the divisiveness that exists already between studio art and art education in our field. You know, we hear all those Mantra those that can do, those that can't teach. We hear the snide comments that are made. Our students experience that when they're in their studio courses. um, And 60% of their degree is spent in studio and art education courses at the University of Dayton, 65%. And so, in how I framed this particular course, I exacerbated those divides between artist teacher researcher and created a almost a polarity in one's belief about how you adopt those rather than in hindsight what i see now and what i hope to do as we begin this next academic year is to examine the multiple identities that we as art educators hold and we embody and examine the ways in which each individual pre-service teacher is considering those various identities what do they mean to them? Which ones do they feel are more important to them? How do they anticipate honoring those, those, the multiple identities that we hold as they go into their careers and their professions? That for me, I think has been one of my biggest realizations of a mistake I made was that in trying to create a more holistic perspective of art education, I exacerbated some of the divisiveness and now need to figure out how to better support my students in that process.